With the ever-increasing number of makes and models of automobiles, it is now impossible to stock all the parts you need in a traditional chain storefront. You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. One reason to repair and maintain your cars is to save money that you can then use for other things, you know, like mortgage or food. Why would you choose to spend 30%, 50%, 100% more for the exact same auto parts at a chain store or a new car dealership? At rockauto.com, you will save money. Rockauto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules to brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or your daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Best of all, Prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write Jerry, G-E-R-R-Y, in their how-did-you-hear-about-us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com. Today on the Callahan Podcast, well, we're not here. Uh, we're taking a few days off. Believe it or not, the first official days off since we started this little thing a year ago, which is pretty impressive. I'll take nothing away from Colin and he shows up and that's the most important thing. And we've been doing this for a year and we picked out some of our favorite interviews for our uh, holiday week. And in a few days, we start officially with our, our new friends, our new partners at podcast one next Monday, January, whatever that is, four, January four. Uh, we're excited about that. You'll see some of the difference. Hopefully uh, it'll be a big help. We'll uh, enjoy that partnership. Yes, January 4th, Monday is when we start with Podcast One, but till then, we're getting ready. We're uh, working toward that day, and in the meantime, like I said, we talked to some people over the years, and we over the year, and we picked out some of our favorite guests, and we're going to play those for you this week, and I hope you enjoy it, and I hope you uh, uh, stick with us this week and next week when we come back and uh, start with Podcast One on uh Monday. Hope you had a great Christmas and a great New Year's. I had, I did, I did. In fact, I'm still full. I had a big Italian Christmas. We go back a few weeks for this one. We, it was, in fact, when I started this, when we started this almost a year ago, one of the first things I said to Conane was, we got to get Nick DiPaolo on. Nick DiPaolo is a uh, Boston guy, although. He doesn't come back here much because uh, he didn't like the way things were received. His uh, his act was received here in Boston one day. So he says, screw you guys. And he uh, lives down in Georgia now and he tours and he does a podcast and he's funny as hell. He's kind of what we all like to be. He's got no filter. He just says what's on his mind, does what he wants to do. And you can't cancel him because Nick DiPaolo does what he wants to do. He doesn't care what anyone thinks. And we enjoy that. We appreciate it. It was a while back, but we thought we would revisit our uh, our conversation with the great Nick DiPaolo. This is the Jerry Callahan podcast. Before we start, yes, I feel sir. like yeah, I, I, I feel like I got to explain myself. Started this podcast three months ago. My producer Dave can vouch. I said first guy I want is Nick DiPaolo, first guest, because I was on the radio for twenty something years, right? morning drive, and I wasn't allowed to have you. You're too dangerous. I mean, even though you're a local guy. No, Nick, the program director wouldn't allow it. Here we uh, we have no such restrictions. So I said, get Nick on. Can't wait. I'm, I'm glad to finally speak to you. Glad to finally meet you. What's going on? 
Who was your program director? Fucking Liz Warren. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't you be on the show? Close. <laughs> I mean, I've been a huge fan for years, and and uh, Christ, I just looked. I, I Wikipedia you. You're worth three hundred million. What do I have? The yeah. long <laughs> I always want selling, selling weed up in Lowell still. Here's, <laughs> I might have to soon if this thing, if this podcast thing doesn't work <laughs> out. I, I might have to go like you did, full full uh, subscription and get real. You know, make some real money. But the thing I always appreciate about you, I always like about you. I mean, I've watched your show. I've seen your special. I, you know, I was, I, I told you we have a lot in common. We, we're the same age. Yes. We come from the same area. Um, we have the same political viewpoint. You have a Netflix special. I have a Netflix account where we got a lot in common. I, you put your Netflix. I don't, have, I don't have a Netflix special. What happened to it? Uh, no. It, well, I had. Let's see. I did a, I did something for Showtime years ago. It might have ended up on Netflix. Oh, you know yeah, what? It's I'm looking at did. I'm looking at the, uh, the the website now, and it says too dangerous for Netflix. That's a hell of a uh, you know a well, hell of an advertisement. Really, that's not that fucking high a bar. When you can see, <laughs> that I couldn't get on Netflix if I was a transgender Native American <laughs> with a hair lip and in Siamese twins. They they have they don't want to hear from a guy who's not woke. Uh, you know, I'm 58 year old white guy. They want nothing. I love how they can discriminate. You know, uh, wouldn't, wouldn't look at a fucking white guy my age uh, if I was the funniest guy on the planet. I know, so, I know, know, I know the feeling, my friend. But the, yes, you do. <laughs> here's here's what I what I always appreciate about you, and I tell this to my other comedian friends, comic friends, Lenny Clark, all the guys I know. I, I, I like when comedians like when you guys are topical. Um, I, I, you just get tired of going to seeing a comedian and he starts with the old, it used to be, you know, airplane f- food and it used to be, you know, uh, the black box. Why don't they, and they go back like right. these old, you know, reliable riffs and they wouldn't do whatever's in the news. And that drives me nuts. I would say, can't you just throw in a couple of topical things? Your whole life, your whole act. You're topical. You literally react to the day's news every day. Well, on, on my podcast, I do at nickdip.com Monday through Thursday, uh, which is free now. I, I, I do on the podcast, right? but it, it's a tricky thing when you're a stand-up because when you do topical stuff, that stuff we say in the business, the material gets burned away quick because, you know, something that's funny on Wednesday is old news by Friday. And, 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 and as a comic, you want to you know, every one or two years, put out a, a one-hour special. Right. Uh, so it's that's why people do go to what we call evergreen material, wh- which is fine. But uh, that's why I thank God for my podcast because I talk about what's going on that day. And uh, what I try to do with my stand-up, I go after the more macro, the cultural. You know, not the specific. Hey, something happened to Joe Biden on Tuesday. But I try to go after, you know, Democrats in general or, or, or a race story that's not going to go away. But but it's tricky. But but, you know, so I but I, I, I try to stick to the uh, the more macro, because if I'm going to put a special out in a year and a half, you right. can't be talking about Pete Buttigieg when he's gone. You know, <laughs> right. uh, well, I once I, had I, I once had this conversation with Lenny Clark and he said, you know, he can, he can go over the line. You know where the line oh, is yeah. and you always go over it. But Lenny, you know, he had his moments where he'd go over the line and he got a call one day from an yeah. important person in Hollywood. And they said, 
you can't do that anymore. And he said, what do you mean? He says, you can't use that word. It's a word we all know well. It's a word we used a lot as kids, but you can't use it anymore. He said, if you want to work, if you want to be in TV, movies, you got to be more careful. And he said, you know, he'd been doing it 40 years. The first time he's been warned like that. Yeah. Have you been warned? And if you have, why have you decided to ignore the warnings? Well, my question is, how did Alyssa Milano get Lenny's phone number? <laughs> it's it's uh, something like that. Yes. Someone like that. Uh, no, because here's how I treat it, Jerry. First of all, there is no line. That, that was made up by some PC idiot. Uh, the reason I say there's no line in comedy uh, my line might be a mile away. That would what offends me. Yours might be three feet away. So who gets to decide where that line is? That's why I just, I never took for granted being a stand-up comic gave me what very few, what a million people cherish. I can say what I want at work. Yeah, that can come with some career repercussions, and it probably has. But I, I said, you got to know how to walk the tightrope a little bit. You can't be totally... But uh, when I was on Tough Crowd with Colin Quinn back in the early 2000s, I was saying this shit on national TV before I had any money in the bank. Uh, so I wasn't the smartest, but it, it got me. It was a double-edged sword. It got me noticed. Right. And there are a lot of people, you know, they they go, this guy's a regular guy. And other people hated me for it. So, but it, you know, bad publicity is good publicity sometimes. But, but and uh and it's not the why the reason I do it. I, I just don't know how to do it anyway, uh, other way. I just, after my third open mic, somebody said to me in Boston, literally 1988, said, you're politically incorrect. I didn't even know what the term was at that point, you know. <laughs> but but it, was there a day, though, where you said you could go one way and be, you know, you know, sign, you could be, you could be Dane Cook or the other way and be, you know, dangerous. And maybe you wouldn't get on, you know, the Tonight Show. Well, that's funny. I, I, I fought with it for a long time, you know, but then I read an article. Uh, I don't know if you remember Bill Hicks, a great comedian, uh, opposite politics than you and I, a, a lefty. But I remember hearing I had one of his CDs and somebody wrote an article in The New Yorker, ironically, saying the only only comedian that matters and it was the whole article is about you got comedians that matter. And then you got to, and, and that really a, a switch went off in my head, you know, because uh, the easy part is making the audience laugh when you're a comic. The hard part is doing it with your own point of view and being unique about it. And uh, that article, I forget who wrote it, but it was about Bill Hicks. And I wanted to be a kind of a comedian that mattered. Even if you left the comedy club with a venue not liking me, as long as my name was on your tongue. And I sort of those are the guys I sort of revered. And uh, Lenny was a bad boy in his day. And, and um, mm. you know, I, uh, Lenny Bruce and, and uh, guys like that, you know, uh, I, I kind of Sam Kennison. I like the guys who spill it up there. And if Hollywood I made a decision, if Hollywood's not going to come to me, uh, you, Kennison was the best example. He was so outrageous. He became a cult kind of a cult figure. Right. He started in such a big audience that Hollywood came to him, you know. But did so, you, did, are the things, you're, you're okay with giving up? Like, you can't be on Jimmy Kimmel, can you? Um, uh, he, would, he, he, would, he, he must hate you, you know. He, he does, you know what, he doesn't hate you. You know why? Because uh, what he's doing is a facade. He's from fucking Brooklyn. He's not a PC. <laughs> he saw he was getting reined in the ratings by fucking Stephen Colbert. Colbert right? so, he, so he jumped on the bandwagon. So did, so did even Jimmy Fallon, who I know all these guys. 
Kimmel, I genuinely like. I did his show a few times. I was the only one dumb enough to try stand-up on there. This is before he became political. Um, but um, he's a regular guy. I like him. Same with Jimmy Fallon. Uh, Colbert, I have no use for because he seems like an elitist. But even Colbert was on Tough Crowd and, and seemed like a decent guy. But, um, yeah, I, I just, I, who cares? Because we're living in a new world. I mean, I put out that special Breath of Fresh Air last May. got over a million views. I saw it. I, I thought I saw it on Netflix. But what would it take yeah, for no. you to, what, what would it take for you to, I mean, I saw Pete Davidson, who was terrible. I mean, and he can be there and, and get whatever comes, you know, his, from Netflix and you can't be. Right. That doesn't oh, yeah. bother you? That doesn't bother you? Not really, because there's other ways to go, you know? I mean, it, yes, it bothered me a little bit, but uh, in order for me to get a, to get on Netflix, I'd have to uh, transition to a fucking woman. <laughs> or you could be, you know, Pete Davidson and, you know, uh, uh, be a, be a good liberal, you know, be a good liberal. You could, and, and that, that, if you did that tomorrow, transitioned not to a woman, to a liberal, you'd be huge. <laughs> Same you'd be, thing. You, you'd be, you know, you'd be Dane Cook. You could do all the college campuses. You'd be huge. I, I'd, I'd rather transition to a, uh, a woman than a liberal. I'd fucking <laughs> do that tomorrow. How long, when, when did you, see, I was born a right wing zealot. I was a, I was a right winger when I was at UMass where I was the yeah. only one there. When did you yeah. become, when did you see the light? After I was uh, touched by Bill Cosby. Uh, <laughs> no, <laughs> no, I don't uh, it was, it was, you know, when I'm not, I, I stumbled over the Rush Limbaugh in the eighties, but yep. even before Rush, I was, uh, you know, I'd be watching news and, uh, and I'd go, okay, uh, only white people committing racial crimes. And it started to dawn on me. And then I'd watch a commercial and see how a, a husband was portrayed as a pussy. And it was kind of a gradual. And then I just said, what the fuck? And then I read a book, Jerry, by Judge Robert Bork. Um, it was called Slouching Towards Gomorrah. Gomorrah, yes. Yeah, Slouching Towards Gomorrah. And that's the one. It confirmed all the stuff that I had in my head, uh, just how how evil the libs are and, and the agenda and how they took over the media. He explained all that. And, the, and, and I like to, when I'm reading, I'm writing. Uh, which isn't that often, but uh, that that sort of flipped a switch for me, and I love it now. Don't you love being the counter? Yes, I, I the think bad boys. I think it has helped me. I mean, I like I said, grew up around here, went to UMass, worked in journalism. I've been outnumbered, you know, my whole life. So you kind of get used to, you know, taking on the mob. And now I, I I do love it because I feel like I'm on the right side in more ways than one. I said this the other day. Kavanaugh was the worst. Example of just an out of control media slash left wing. Right. You know, when they went after Kavanaugh and made stuff up and you know invented right. these you know alleged rapes, this yeah. one last week, this week I should say, is close. When we are in the midst of this uh, coronavirus yeah. crisis, and you're looking at what Pelosi's trying to do, you look at at the media literally rooting on this this crash rooting on the right. misery that comes with it. And then, you know, Nancy's trying to put windmills and, and solar panels and, and, and money for the Kennedy Center for the Performing Arts in this emergency stimulus bill. And you just say, those people are, are evil. She's evil. She's, she is, and she was evil long before that. Right. But yeah, that, that crystallized it, what, what went on this past week. People literally dying. And she wants to make sure that you have uh, women and black people, you know, at the company. Right. I, I mean, just she talks like it's 1958. 
She's so fucking tone deaf. And all you're gonna do is look at you know, all you're gonna do is look at San Francisco and, and her district to so what an incompetent, hateful she's been babbling for years. I remember being on Denim Dennis Miller's radio show. This had to be seven years ago. And and he was saying, I don't fucking she's crazy. She's literally crazy. How is she still in power? I get it's I mean, you know, like that you say small you know, San Francisco, bunch of radicals. I mean, she couldn't you know, get 20% if she ran nationally, she's despised, but she right. jets, jets in on her private jet. The deal is done, flies in, says, no, 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 no. We, we got some goodies to take care of and just starts, you know, putting money in there for all these crazy left-wing causes, diversity. Diversity's mentioned initially 60 times in the stimulus 60. bill, 60 times yeah. they mentioned diversity in this, these initiatives to make corporate boards more diverse. And you're saying, wait a second, I thought we were, in a dire situation. This had to be done now. We had to save people's lives. What does that have to do with diversity or green, you know, uh, windmills or you know, solar panels or whatever that you're right. It crystallized things. I think people are angry. I think that's why Trump's numbers, his approval numbers are going up as the, you know, stock yeah. market's going down, unemployment's going up, but he's become more popular because it's, you know, him against these dark forces it's and it and it's a surprise to them. And they're looking at this going, wait a second, why isn't Trump, you know, why isn't he drowning here? He's supposed to be going down for the count and he's not. I'm surprised she didn't put something in the bill saying no more than fifteen uh, percent of corona deaths can be minorities. <laughs> I think I have She's bitch. That, I mean, well, yeah, are I, you I, I know you know. I know on your show on nickdip.com every day. At five o'clock, yeah. correct? Every day. Yeah, I know you, I know you have. Five, they, yeah, you have video. You have video components. You have photographs, and you comment on them. And I say, I was saying this to to my producer uh, yesterday. I'm saying there's. I don't know if you can do Joe Biden justice with just audio. You need the video. When right. you see him on these right. homemade videos, just kind of drifting <laughs> and drooling and losing his way. You don't really have to add add a lot of commentary, do you, Nick? Um, no, he is a. It's frightening, and what he's going to do is get you know Cuomo. Cuomo's gonna, know. somebody has to save it, and Cuomo's going to jump in there and save the day. But Biden, I just did a story today of a girl he sexually assaulted one a young girl back in the late eighties or nineties that worked for him in Congress. Uh, so you know, if the if the Democrats were smart, because they, I think they realize Biden is he, he's not gonna be able to do it. The mainstream media would put that stuff out there about Biden and this girl making these accusations just to have a reason to get rid of. Him, I know they even uh, need that. You're right. They're, they're looking at this, saying, "How do we get out of this?" He can't yeah. do a he can't do a ten minute you know Instagram video while Trump's doing an hour and a half every day on his feet. <laughs> it's the the the, the the contrast is striking, and and you're right. They're looking at Cuomo, saying, "Why can't we have him? Why can't he be the guy?" So right now, that you know, those people, you know, they they're working behind the scenes, saying, "How can we dump Sleepy Joe?" Or you know, maybe he just can't physically do it. And they say, "I don't know what the what the process is, the procedure is," but just say physically, he's unable to go. Let's go to Plan B. That's coming, and that's going to be good for business. Easy way to get rid of them. Just, just, just take them for a walk, stare them through a busy intersection. <laughs> with him, take them. I thought you. Meant, I thought you. I thought you were say take them for a walk in the woods with Hillary. <laughs> yes. 
Yes. Both. Yeah. What's she doing? I get nervous when she's so quiet lately. So uh, I know. Well, lying. you know, you know, James Woods theory. James Woods theory is that she's going to be the VP and he'll last a month. Yeah. You know, he'll get inaugurated a month later. He'll be hospitalized and yes. she'll ascend to her rightful place. She'll be, yes. she'll be president, which because it's her, you can't put anything past her. It, I mean, it's, it's crazy, but Jerry, can you can you imagine though, seriously, if Obama was president now when this coronavirus thing hit? Uh, I mean, the guy never the guy doesn't know how to balance a checkbook. Never ran a business. You, you tell me Trump's not. I'm so cynical, and me and Comey agree on this. This is this is all too much of a coincidence that you know he gets he gets acquitted of impeachment. The next day, the coronavirus pops up, and it damages unemployment. And the economy, the two things that the best things he's getting. It's a little, it was, I'm it was their you, only. I, I have no proof, but you can find uh, you're going to find Nancy Pelosi's fingerprints all over a package of duck sauce in Wuhan. <laughs> it was their only chance. It was the point where the economy was so good, unemployment was so low. They said, "What right. can they do? What can happen here?" Oh, here we go, right. a pandemic. I will not say it's their fault, but I will say that the, early on when it just started happening, they were reporting the news with glee. You know, there was a gleam in their eyes when they came on and said, you know, more, you know, more uh, uh, positive tests, the, the un- unemployment's up, yes. stock, stock market's crashing. Yeah. Yes. You know, it was like watching a, you know, Boston sportscaster after you know, the Patriots win the Super Bowl. They were giddy. <laughs> Speaking of that. Jesus, what's going? I mean, Brady's gone, Betts is gone. I mean, for crying out loud, what, I can't. Uh, what Deshaun Jack, Deshaun Watson, everybody's talking about. Yeah, for a year later. No, it's a it's a rebuilding year. It's uh, it, it's 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 grim. The the I think the pandemic was the other good thing to happen to the Boston Red Sox. They <laughs> <laughs> no, they they nothing good. Nothing good has happened here. In Boston sports, Nobody, in no, no, you nobody's, blamed, much. nobody's nobody's blamed the pandemic on Chung for the Patriots. No, it has not happened. Hey, I was I was uh, laughing reading your biography, laughing out loud because I, I did some of the same things you did in the eighties. But your introduction, your your first day on the job, essentially was at Stitches at like an open mic night, and you said you had twenty two yeah. beers. You had twenty two beers in you. Yeah. Did you did you count? Was that confirmed? Did someone count for you? Uh, okay, I might exaggerate. Probably seventeen, <laughs> but that's when you know your family loves you. You got about seventeen beers in you, and they hand you the keys and go, "Hey, try open mic and stitch it." <laughs> so you you drove <laughs> you drove. I, your I t- drove in from I drove in from Danvers, Mass, which is twenty two <laughs> miles north of Boston, and uh, I hit the rump. I hit the rumble skips on Route One twice. I think. <laughs> And did you know, did you get, did it work or did you struggle? Was it a struggle? Oh, it's always a struggle. Your first time ever, man. It's just, you know, like trying to get laid for the first time. But you know what? I, I had a George McDonald, great Boston comedian. He was hosting. And I had, I followed a guy um, who was in a tuxedo. This is like a Sunday night, you know, open mic. And the guy had a tuxedo on. Was it Kevin Meany? I, I had a, what's that? Was it Kevin Meany? No, it wasn't. This was just another open mic. But I go on after that guy. And my first thing out of my mouth was an ad lib. And it got a laugh. I said, uh, I didn't know what to wear to the show tonight. I said, I didn't know I'd be following Mr. Saunders. And uh, 
And that got a nice fat laugh. And George McDonald said to me years later, that's how I knew you had it, that the first thing out of your mouth on stage was an ad lib. And then I went into a, uh, I think I went into a bit about Archie Bunker being blown by a great white shark or something. <laughs> it was really horrible. <laughs> and I I bombed and I got I got a couple out. I didn't, I didn't bomb so bad that I said, I'm never doing that again. I came off stage. I was so excited. And that, that Stitches Comedy Club, my God, that was... Uh, yeah, that's where it was at. Right so you have never, you, you've never had a real job. I boy, I'll tell you, I, I, I when I got out of college, I stole, I sold uh, frozen <laughs> steak and seafood out of the back of a, a Zuzu pickup truck, door to door. Actually, made a lot of money doing that, and, and oh. I had uh, one other gig in Boston. I worked for New England Rare Coin Galleries, and uh, I lasted about a, three months there. I was trying to sell hundred thousand dollar coins over the phone to people, and when I got done with that job, I put on the news a couple months later. I see my boss being escorted out of the building <laughs> by the feds. <laughs> so, How many- I, I, Jerry, I haven't had a I haven't had a boss since 1988. How many times have you been fired, though? You you lost a serious gig, correct? Not many. That's the thing. <laughs> That's why I laugh when people go, "He's too dangerous." I, I look. I had a terrestrial radio show in New York. And that station went under because they were bankrupt. But I used to come on after uh, the same station Howard was on, K-Rock, and uh, didn't get in trouble there. Uh, As far as serious radio goes, that was a tweet that I got in trouble for. But really, ostensibly, they fired me for the tweet. But it was really, the show was a little too right-wing for their taste. My contract was going to be up in a a couple months. You know how that works. Well, what is... uh, I never got in trouble. I never got any other people in trouble on their shows. I never had a temper my axe, you know. Um, well, these are glorious times for guys like you and me. Where you, you, yes. you the, it is such a wild time, and I've been saying this for a few days now that we are heading for the wildest time ever because Trump, in a couple of weeks, is going to tell everyone to go back to work, and he's going to tell everyone to go back to school, and yeah. you know the Democrats, the media are going to say he's going to kill us all. And it's right. going to just get so contentious and so just yeah. nuts, just nuts. It, and that's when people like you will be looking for people like you to, you know, put it all in perspective. And, and I will. I'm going to. Uh, it, it, you're absolutely right. It, after everybody goes back to work, every time somebody gets the sniffles or diarrhea, <laughs> they're going to blame Trump. You know, there's going to be a little you know box in the news that said, you know, the Trump death toll. It's going to be literally every death will be you know <laughs> Trump's fault. I mean if we don't go back to work there'll be the great depression as you know there'll be you know right. suicides and misery and, and drugs right. and and that'll be his fault too. So you know yeah. the, what they fear is everyone goes back to work and it doesn't get that bad. That is That's right. the, the nightmare if, if and it sun and it looks like you know Trump was right that will be even That's- crazier. That's exactly right. That's what they're fearing most. I mean, this thing could actually work out to his benefit, but uh, they, yeah, I, I hope so because he's been my favorite. Uh, I mean, just the way he handles the media. I, I've been waiting for that since Reagan. I, I say that too. I say that I, I just I, wanted a fighter, a yeah. fighter. And I wish he weren't so, I wish he were a little more articulate on Twitter. I got to yeah. say, and he says That's some right. dumb stuff. If you focus on what That's he right. says, <laughs> but you're right. Since Reagan, I mean, my whole life, I wanted a fighter. I wanted someone to hit back. I wanted someone yeah. to attack the media, and we got it, man. He and we and yeah. I mean, we probably have too much of it. He focuses too much on the media, but 
He's tireless, man. Every day, he's just giving it right yes, back to him. Because they're tireless. That's why I say he can never do that enough. And if his presidency ended tomorrow, he's done more to wake up the world how crooked the CNNs and MSNBCs are. And, the, and uh, you know. Which is a great service. Here's what I want. Tell me if you agree. That, you know, very soon, um, I want two things. I want Trump to say, because of the virus, we have to cancel the election just to drive him nuts or postpone it. You know, just another year. And I want Donald Trump Jr. running in 2024. Good going. Yeah, absolutely. Donald Trump Jr. on the ticket with um, that female golfer. Spurnack or whatever it is. Yeah, I was going to say. I was going to say Ann Coulter. You think she's getting a little old? Is that? I love Coulter. I know her well. Do you? Absolutely. Well, I've met her many times. Yes, she's been on a couple of my radio shows. Well, I'm jealous. You have made something yourself. I got to say, a little bit. I got to say, I'm impressed. So every day, five o'clock, the Nick Dip show nickdip.com do i have that right nickdip.com it, it's free on youtube and uh you go to nickdip.com and uh yeah we drop it at five but obviously it's a podcast you can watch it whenever you want and make you can make contributions at nickdip.com or you can sign up at patreon.com and uh i'll do an extra story for you every day and you get to ask me questions and you have access to the 300 prior shows we've done. So, wow, it sounds uh, like yeah. You, and, and, you, got, uh, you got the shit figured out, man. I got to take notes. Well, and A Breath of Fresh Air, which is excellent. I I thought I saw it on Netflix. I don't know where I saw it, but I thought it was great. It was much better than on YouTube. Uh, on YouTube. It was yeah. much better than yeah. uh, Pete Davidson. I'll say that. I'll give you that. Um, it's, I appreciate it. Uh, and uh, you're on tour all the time. I don't, you don't come, by, you don't come, you don't come home much though, do you? Well, after that, after the fucking, after that experience I had with comics come home, oh, really? getting getting booed because I made a few Jew jokes. Jesus Christ! <laughs> I mean, uh, Boston. What? What? I, uh, my phone's down to one percent here. But before I go, I, I love my hometown of Boston. I always will. But the politics are making me nauseous. Hey, can we watch a Red Sox game with, without bringing a kid into the booth that has cancer? Is that possible? <laughs> Just, I mean, honestly. I want to enjoy the game. Stop with the fucking osteosarcoma stuff. All right, Nick. Good talking to you. Good meeting you. We'll do it again. Same, Jerry. And, and seriously, I've been a big fan of yours for years. And congratulations on a great career. I'll talk to you. Thank soon. you, my friend. Appreciate it. That is the great Nick DePaulo. Right, I just want to once again thank our, our great sponsors, Shake Concrete, now Allied Paving, and DCU. We love the folks at DCU and everybody who stood with us who uh, for the last 12 months, it wasn't easy. As everybody knows, it was a crazy year, a challenging year. We made it through and we were hoping to, uh, to do what we're going to do Monday, January 4th, hook up with a big company, a big podcaster in podcast one. That happens Monday, January 4th. And we're looking forward to it. Once again, thanks to everybody who listened. Thanks to everybody who, who rated, reviewed, told a friend, uh, we, we wouldn't be here after 12 months without you. So we really, really appreciate it. I appreciate all, uh, all the co-hosts, sidekicks, whatever we want to call them, Shattuck and, uh, Turtle Boy and Reamer and VB and Mute and, uh, and you name it, Bob Snyder and especially Dave Colonnay. That dope. He showed up every day. We've been here for a, ye- a year, almost a year now. Haven't missed a day. We're taking a few days off prepping, preparing, getting ready for our 
big hard launch on January 4th when we uh, team up with uh, Podcast One and do this thing for real. We're looking forward to it. But any again, I hope everyone had a great Christmas and a great New Year's and a great New Year's Eve. And we will talk to you again January 4th. Why am I stopping? No one else stops. I don't. I, can I go home? The Jerry Callahan Podcast.